and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, aka At The Peak, and I'm joined once again by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, bud? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Good stuff. Uh, we've also got Ryan with us, tucking into some bangers and mash, which is very unprofessional. Ryan, how are you? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Back from the indigestion, I can feel coming on. <laughs> and after a, a fantastic debut last week, we welcome back Luke. How are you, mate? I'm great, thank you, mate, yeah. Honoured to be back, Dean. Great to have you back, mate. Um, although, unfortunately, we don't have quite as positive a pod uh, ahead of us, I don't think, after a poor result for Dale over the weekend. Uh, a 2-1 defeat away to Accrington. Jimmy Keoghan opening the scoring for Dale. Uh, and then a quick 1-2 from the hosts condemning Dale to another defeat. Um, Chaff, what do you think the issue was on Saturday? Um, obviously... The pitch wasn't great. Accrington, as always, um, quite a physical opponent. What do you think it was that, that let Dale down on Saturday at, at the uh, at the Crown Ground? Um, I'm not sure I can pinpoint one specific thing. Um, concentration levels, maybe. We just started the second half really poorly. Um, and like you said a few weeks ago, we, we have a habit of, when we concede one, we concede two very, very quickly. And we did it again this week. Um, and the poor goals to concede as well. Um, I don't I don't think we played particularly well. When we scored, it was only our second attempt on goal. So we're probably undeserving of the lead. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just thought it was a, a poor performance, really. Yeah, Luke, we, we struggled for possession as well, didn't we, on Saturday, which is something we never really struggled with last season and and I always felt that last year we were able to play our possession game against some of the weaker teams in the league and with all due respect to Accrington who are difficult to beat I do class them in that and that's why we managed to beat them home and away last year do you think BBM was perhaps guilty of of trying too hard to move away from that possession game in this particular fixture I don't think I, I... I still, I still saw us trying to play football, but we were just playing, trying to play football in areas of the pitch where we couldn't really hurt Accrington. You know, Morley was dropping deep, and I think the idea was to get the ball to Morley uh, to then kind of play make from deep. But um, you alluded to it; the, the pitch didn't play well, and I don't think the players kind of trusted it. You know, and it, it, it kind of slowed our tempo down. And you know, when we did play the football, it, it, it was kind of in areas of the pitch where we just couldn't really, you know, harm them in any way. Anyway, so I think they were quite happy for us to have it at the back. And then, you know, we kind of when we did try and move forward up the pitch, we we didn't we didn't string that many kind of you know uh, passing moves together. It, it felt as though we kind of lost it every time we did try and go into the final third with it. Um, you know, I, I do think the pitch did play its part, but it was the same for both teams. And like Chaff said. It's kind of a bad day at the office, really. Yeah, Ryan Chaff alluded to uh, the fact that we once again conceded two goals in quick succession away from home in this game. Um, I know you're you're generally the more positive of, of all of us, but do you still feel that that sort of worry whenever we concede that there's a chance we're going to concede again? Because it does seem to keep happening now. 
I guess to an extent. I don't think this weekend once they scored, I don't, it didn't creep into my mind, to be honest. And I think once they scored the first, I think we actually got on my front foot pretty quickly. Um, but then they've obviously gone on down the other end and I can't remember what happened to be honest but it just seemed like a bit of a mix up in the corner and then we were sort of well I said we Morley was sleeping in the middle and their guy got to it first so it's I'm starting to see it now because you've mentioned it um, it is a bit of a worry and something that needs addressing but I think you look at the goals we conceded and again I don't know if there's necessarily a correlation between the two and perhaps edge dropping or whatever it is. I think the first one was a bit of a freak. Second one was just caught napping. I don't think it was necessarily anything to do with the way we set up or started playing once they'd scored the first. And Chaff, at the other end of the pitch, um, it was another late chance for Beasley that, that went begging. Um, we can obviously see what he offers in terms of his, his physicality and his movement and his work rate as well, which has been excellent. No one can question that, but with the chance against um, Ipswich and, and maybe some less impressive performances uh, since then. Is it, are we maybe seeing signs that he's in desperate need of that confidence-boosting first goal? Uh, I think it would help him massively if we did if we did get a goal. Um, it's far too early to be saying he's, he's suffering from a lack of confidence, I think. Um, he's very new to, to the football league. He's very new to professional football. Um and at some point, the chance is going to come and he's going to put it away. He's getting into positions. But if it falls to Humphreys, it's a goal, I think. Um, so, yeah, he could do with a goal. He, uh, at no point did I think he was going to score. And that was that might be the telling um, sort of thing with that. The, the Rathbone chance at the end, the header, is the, the, the golden opportunity. Absolutely has to score that. We had chances. We didn't have too many chances. Um but the chance that's going to be the case in a lot of games where we're going to get we're going to, we're not going to see a lot of the ball. It doesn't look like we're not going to create that many chances. So the chances that we do create, we're going to have to take them. Um, I think, yeah, he, he should be off the bat by now. I think with the chances that he's had. Yeah, I think that's what worries me a little bit is what you said there about the fact we're not going to get too many chances, and and for him to have missed the two that he has, you'd hope at least one of them hits the net. And I'm just hoping, looking at his record from Solihull and Salford before that, that we haven't got another player in our hands who, who offers a lot going forward but doesn't offer goals, um, especially given that, that it was said when Henderson left that we would need um, a forward line that chipped in with a few goals from a few different places. And, and if we're relying on Humphreys, I'm not sure he has the record so far in his career to suggest that he can can replace Henderson like for like in terms of goals. So... Um, hopefully Beasley can get off the mark soon and, and it'll give him a bit of a confidence boost um, one of the things we mentioned last week Luke which you mentioned was uh, Keo Hain running in at the back post and, and you messaged me when that goal went in didn't you letting me know that you'd, uh, you'd predicted yet another one yeah I was in, I was impressed with Keo Hain again to be honest with you I thought he played reasonably well he was he was solid defensively for a while um, I, the, the name escapes me of the Accrington left wing back, but um, the lad alone from Chelsea. But he seems to have been kind of chipping in with a few goals and an assist for Accrington um, so far this season. Um, I think he got an hat trick in, in, in the EFL uh, in the Carabao Cup, actually. Or, but um, I thought he defended well against him. And then, yeah, just something that I picked up on in, in you know, so far this season, he, he seems to be kind of getting in at that back stick. 
Um, and and the the goal did kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but another another solid performance from him, and um, you know, good to see him get on the score sheet. Um, it's just unfortunate that it wasn't quite enough for us to, to kind of win the game with with the one goal. Unfortunately, but yeah, again, solid performance from from Jimmy Keegan. Yeah, and, and Ryan, I'll come back to you on another player because I know it's your favourite topic. But uh, Ollie Rathbone's performance on Saturday left a lot to be desired, didn't it? We we were speaking about his passing, but on Saturday it seemed to be again a lack of passing, taking too many touches before he played the ball, and and in the end it was a really frustrating afternoon for him, wasn't it? Yeah, again, I've got to be careful here because it's going to become a weekly occurrence, I think. But yeah, there were just so many times where it just a simple pass, a simple through ball was just, and there was one I remember he, he took about six touches and got tackled as he was going back towards our own goal. Um, so, yeah, another frustrating day and I don't know what's happened because I, I don't remember ever being as critical of Rathbone in the past but it just seems this season he's, he's getting on my nerves to be honest. And he's, uh, he's getting too many simple things wrong for me. I can forgive, you know, Camps played a few balls where he'd get it wrong and he'd be trying something creative. He's not really. He's, he's getting simple passes um, wrong and it's yeah, it's hindering us, I think. Do you think maybe it is that he, he feels there's more of a, a pressure on him to be the creative force now that Camps isn't in the squad? Possibly. I don't think he should because he's not the same type of player. Um, he could be, but then... If he's a player he wants to be in the clubs that are supposedly in for him or were, he's got to take it. Uh, you know, he's come from United. He's, a, he's had plenty of games under his belt now. I don't know how many. It'll be over 100, won't he? Maybe on 150. So I'll take your chance and, and be, that, be that driving force for us and, and win games, win the midfield. Perhaps it'll come. It's early days, yeah. Another player, chap, who, who we've perhaps looking to to provide a creative spark, if you like, is Alex Newby. Um, I thought he, he had an excellent second half on Saturday, um, but we were, we were discussing at half-time, weren't we, whether perhaps it had come as a little bit too much of a step up for him. Um, we really need to see more of what we saw in the second half from Newby, don't we? Uh, yeah, I thought it was excellent second half. I don't think he had a disastrous first half, by any stretch of the imagination. We created one chance in the first half. And it was Nubi that created it. Um, I thought he, I thought he played really well. I thought he was easily our best player um, on Saturday. Everything that we did well came through him, um, and we should have taken some of the chances that he was creating as well. Um, I was a lot more impressed with him after weekend. Um, a lot of the goals that we score will will come through him. Um, he's, he's the one picking the ball up in the final third and driving forward with it. He's not going to create something every time he gets the ball. He's going to lose the ball quite a bit. Um, and he is still finding his feet in the Football League as well. Um, but I, there, there were a lot of positives from Newby on Saturday, I thought. Um, I don't think anybody particularly shone in the first half. Um, and I don't think he had a particularly bad game in the first half either. Um, in the second half, I thought he was, he was excellent. Yeah, Luke, where do you stand on, on Newby's performances so far? Another one of the things that we sort of picked up on after the game was that perhaps we're a little bit light on attacking options, but do you think Newby will play in a slightly different role when, when Barr and Humphreys are fit, or 
where do you see his career going at Dale? Do you think he's good enough to step up and be one of the star players for us this season? Yeah, I, I, I really like the look of him, to be honest. I think it's just, um, I think he is the creative kind of replacement for camps rather than Oli Rathbone. Um, and, and he looks like he is capable of picking a pass. Uh, one, one aspect of his game that I really like is his ability to kind of stand up a man, regardless of where he kind of is positioned on the pitch. Um, he can kind of turn it into a 1v1. You know, the way he settled the goal, he kind of spun Sykes inside out in an unusual part of the pitch to do that, really, because it was quite congested at the same time. Um, so he's definitely got something about him. I think, I think he kind of, he looks to be quite two-footed as well. You know, sometimes he's dribbling it with his left foot and then he's whipping it in with his right and, and vice versa. Um, so not easy to defend against. Um, and I, I do like the look of kind of how he's, you know, how, how he's kind of settling into the team. I just think probably there might be just a little bit too much kind of expectation on on kind of him with regards to kind of giving him options off the ball. He's, he doesn't look like he's got a lot to go off or to go with when, when he does pick up the ball in, in the final third. Um, I think we will potentially see him wider as well as, as the season develops. Um, because, like I said, just going back to how he can stand up a man and and kind of take them on with a little bit of kind of you know trickery, um, that could be quite useful for us out wide as well. Uh, so I think BBM will probably rotate him depending on the manner in which he wants to set up and, and the manner in which kind of you know the personnel that he's got available to pick from as well. Uh, maybe if Bar was to come in, that would probably mean that Newby kind of stays more central in in the whole kind of position. Um, but I think there'll be times where he kind of predominantly plays out wide as well. But overall, you know, I've been impressed. I just think he needs a bit more help. You know, he needs a bit more help when we are going forward. Um, I'm kind of hopeful, you know, as we do kind of strengthen up top when Humphreys returns to fitness, that that'll be kind of the catalyst to to kind of doing that, really. Yeah, fingers crossed. They definitely looked like they were linking up really well in that 30 minutes or so of the Portsmouth game before Humphreys um, took a knock, obviously. Uh, so hopefully that's something that we'll see more of when the two can finally get on the pitch together for for more prolonged periods of time. Um, we asked for some for some questions uh, on Facebook and, and Twitter for t- for tonight's podcast, and one of them I thought was particularly relevant to Saturday's game. Uh, Greg Ingham asked Ryan, "How much of an effect does not having the fans in the stadium reflect on the results?" Um, now, obviously, Saturday. The, the fixture at Accrington is always one that the supporters look forward to for an away game. Do you think having a thousand or so Dale fans in the, in that away end trying to defend that one 0 lead would have would have had much of an effect on Saturday? Possibly. I don't know where I stand on it to be honest. I think it obviously has an effect because we're getting weird results all up and down the football pyramid. But you sort of counter that with the home end at Aki that they, the atmosphere they create at the other end. Um. Sort of would that have an effect as well? Um, it'll have some kind of effect on some players. Some players will thrive off not having supporters in. Some players will be hindered from it. Um, so I'd like to think so, but at the same time, should it? I don't know. Rubbish answer that. <laughs> you said <laughs> it, mate. <laughs> um. Yeah, Chaff, on, on, on the subject of, of fans being allowed in and stuff, obviously there's been new lockdown restrictions um, announced today and, and Dylan Harris asked what the possibility of new lockdown restrictions are affecting the club. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a while 
until we're back in the ground by the looks of things, isn't it? It would seem that way, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, we all expected to be back in for that Fleetwood game. Well, whether we expected it or not, we were certainly hoping for it. Um, the club was certainly hoping for it. Um, but it doesn't look like it's it's in imminent, um, especially if the cases of well, yeah, if the cases of Corona still sort of emanate around the mark that they are now, we won't be in. Um, I, I very much doubt we'll be in this year. Um, probably looking towards sort of February, March. I don't see any reason why we can't go in when you see sort of other sectors opening up and. For example, cinemas, you can go and watch a game of football in the cinema in a confined space, but you can't watch a game of football in a stadium that's outdoors while social distancing. At our level, you can do it at non-league level. It just none of it makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be any time soon, does it really? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Um... Luke, where do you stand on this? I mean, Chaff's uh, mentioned one of the things that I, I sort of noted down, which was about people being allowed into the cinema to watch games. But also, is it slightly unfair on clubs that have spent money in a time when it's difficult to spend money for these clubs on making the grounds COVID secure to then not allow fans in? And obviously, we've seen with the um, with the petition, the let fans in petition, there's a lot of there's a lot of support for people to be allowed back into the game. But is it safe yet? I mean... Obviously, the government think not. Where do you stand on it at the moment? Who knows, really? Um, for me, if the government are going to open up various sectors, like Chaff said, um, that, that I would deem to be kind of more high-risk environments than attending a football match at a reduced capacity, um, then then I would suggest that you know it, it is safe to do so um, as long as it's done right. Um, I'm sure the club have invested heavily really to kind of make sure that they are COVID compliant and it must be a right kick in the teeth not just for Dale but every team that's kind of done this to kind of get those protocols in place investment into the ground um, you know um, the, the training probably that the stewards will have to kind of go under um, to go through all of that and then be told actually not yet it's not safe to do so it's a kick, kick in the teeth financially and it's a kick in the teeth kind of uh, from a psychological perspective as well but for me, you know, like Chaff said, the classic kind of, you know, contrast of allowing people into a cinema, you know, in a confined space versus uh, watching a game of football in an open space where it's done right because there's a lot of pressure on, you know, there'll be a lot of pressure on the club to make sure that they do it right and do it safe. That doesn't make sense. And, and it's just a shame, really, that, that fans can't get back into the ground, um, even if it is at, you know, a mega reduced capacity. Don't make sense. No, I agree, and I think that's a sentiment shared by fans up and down the country at the moment. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, the, the new restrictions um, sort of lead to to a, a massive decrease in in cases, and we can be back in the in the ground sooner than perhaps we expect. But um, I don't feel too confident of that at the moment. Um, but on, on a more footballing um, plane, should we say? Ryan, another new signing has arrived at the club since we last spoke. Arsenal loanee Talaji Bola. Um, obviously, we've been looking for a left back all all summer. We none of us will have seen him play. As I don't think he, he's had a loan spell with any league clubs or anything before. But 
Do you think he looks like the right profile of player that we, that we were looking for, judging on on what you've read about him? Yeah, um, well, I've seen it, the positives. He's been playing for the under twenty threes at Arsenal. I think he's linked up with England at various levels. Um, so yeah, absolutely, and I think BBM's. Um, sort of thoughts on him and, and his interview that he did about him seemed positive. It seems like we've been after him for for a while. Um, or certainly was one of at the top of our list in terms of fullbacks. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the only sort of question and sort of semi disappointment is it's till January. Um, whether we'll be able to extend Ben anyway or whether we're going to be in the same position then. Um, I don't know, but. Yeah, it's good to get someone in in that position and, and hopefully he does well for us and continues a good form, it seems, he's been showing for, for Arsenal. Yeah, and Chaff, obviously, he joins two um, other Premier League loanies from Manchester City, and Amankwa and um, Bazunu. Do you think it's a good sign that, that these top six Premier League clubs are, are, are happy to send the players to Dale? I think it can only be looked as a positive, really. Um, a, it creates a decent relationship with with the club um, for future deals as well, um, but it tells it tells me that City, the likes of City and Arsenal, like the way that we we play football. They think that their player is going to get well, that their development's going to to increase whilst at our club, which can only benefit the player, can only benefit the, the parent club, and hopefully benefit us as well. So I think it's a I think it's a very positive signing. I think the two lads from City have been positive signings, regardless of uh, Amankwa's injury. Um, Bazunu looks to be a, a very good goalkeeper and a, a huge prospect. Um, and we wait to see what Baller can offer. Um, and echo Ryan's sentiments that the, what Brian Barry Murphy said about him that he was sort of very high up on our radar anyway. Um, one of our sort of first targets and. We've managed to do a deal is a is a good thing, and I look forward to him being in the side. Really, seeing what he's got to offer, he seems to be a little bit more defence minded than what Reese was last year. But yeah, he's hopefully he's a. I'm that's to be a very good signing. Yeah, Luke, do you think maybe that's needed though, given the circumstances of this season, that we may need a slightly more defensive minded fullback? And, and for you, does he go into the team on Saturday versus Hull, or, or does Matt Don deserve another chance at left back? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think Matt Don has, has in particular done anything wrong since he's moved into into that left back position. Um, but I think it'd be fair to say that he's probably he's not his natural position. Um, and, and when we spoke last week when we when we beat Fleetwood, um, when you talk about the balance of teams, I think sometimes that can't quite be seen, but it can be felt when you're playing uh, around that balance and, and players you know playing out of position. Um, so if he's a natural you know if he's a natural left back, which which he, Clearly is that's what we brought him in to do, um, then I, I would put him in, especially against Hull, um, when we are probably going to be defending our box more. And you'd argue that Don is is, is more of attack-minded left back rather than someone that can kind of first and foremost defend the box, you know. But I would imagine you know the, the modern-day fullback today that that's going to come through the ranks at Arsenal is going to be someone that's going to be mobile and athletic, and he might, by the sense of it, be defensive-minded. But I would imagine. Um, given the fact that he's kind of made it so far in his Arsenal career, um, that he can probably offer something going forward as well, I would imagine. 
Um, I think it's positive when you kind of read that these players have been training with the first teams as well. They're not being plucked out of an academy where they might be technically good, but, you know, can they play men's football? I think it's encouraging when, um, you know, you hear that they're, they're training every day with, with the first team. He's going to be training with world-class players day in, day out. Um, and that clearly says to me that they rate him highly enough at, at Arsenal to do that. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And yeah, in answer to your question, I would I'd get him in there against Hull. Yeah, I, I'm going to say nothing about world-class players at Arsenal, mate. I'm going to leave that one <laughs> where, where it is. <laughs> um, uh, so... Ryan, I'll come to you um, with this one as, it, as it's full-back based. Uh, Ian Goodwin asked, Keohane is leading the scoring charts for the season. How many more does he need to be our highest scoring full-back? Um, I don't know. I think this actually might be his first couple of goals for the club in, in 18 months or so. But who are the, who are the high scoring full-backs that you remember? Obviously, there's one that, that arrived from Bury a few years ago who ended up bagging a few from set pieces and what have you. Yeah, uh, probably the only one. To be honest, Joe Raff never really chipped in. Scotty Wiseman only got a few, I think. Uh, Rose got a couple, but then he went into midfield. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he'll be up there. Um, can't think of any others, really, unless there were some before my time. But, yeah, it was only TK. He took penalties, though. Yeah, I remember Simon Ramsden getting a few here and there. Chaff, is there anyone who you remember from from perhaps before our time who can who can fit into that high scoring fullback category? Um, did Alan Goodall not score a few as well from left back? Yeah, he did. He, he did. He, he was quite good in the air for for a player his size, actually. Yeah, that's the one that that stands out to me, along with uh, with Tom Kennedy. Um, and also sticking with the with the fullback and the new fullback and uh, and our transfer dealings. Um, Chaff, Josh Dolan asked on Facebook, do we think the club are looking to sign any more players or is that it? Now, I know you think that perhaps we need one or two more. Is there anyone that you, you might think we'll look look at in the, the final few days of the uh, of the window? Um, it's hard to say who we'd be looking at, but I'd imagine we don't stop looking um, for players who want to come to the club because the, the squad's always going to need improvement. Um, obviously, we're, we're working to a specific budget um, but if any, we don't know who's going to become available um, before next week, when the dead well, sorry, the end of this week, it, I think, um, when the deadline is, and there'll be there may be free transfers where we can do some deals. So I'd imagine the club are always looking to to, to strengthen when and where they can. Um, so I, yeah, but I don't know who, who might be on the radar. I would like, like we said last week, I, w- I would still hope for somebody who can play sort of in the final third of the pitch and bring the ball forward a little bit. Like what we're, we're seeing more from Newby, but somebody who can chip in with, with goals, somebody who can create, because I think that's what we're missing at the minute. But yeah, I'd imagine we're, we're still looking. Yeah, and, and I think from the numbers of players that BBM mentioned about bringing in uh, a while ago now, I think we're maybe still one or two short of of the, the amount of players that he wanted to bring in. And also, of course, they could be they could still be outgoings. There's been links for a couple of our players to, to other clubs in League One and beyond that. So um, I, I'd be surprised if there was no business whatsoever 
Luke, this, this next one's for you, uh, from Neil Greenwood on Facebook. Do you think the youngsters on the bench are comparable to other youth team players we've had come through our system in the past and gone on to bigger clubs such as Jamie Allen, Craig Dawson, Andy Cannon, etc.? Um, so what, what are your thoughts there? Do you think there's there's enough potential in the young lads that we see coming through to, to go on and, and perhaps uh, go even beyond Dale's level? The, the one that I see true potential in uh, so far is, is Quadro Bar. Uh, he seems to have definitely have something about him. Um, a, a natural, raw kind of ability, I would say. Um, more so than, than what I have seen of the other lads. Um you know, it's great. It was great for Fabio Tavares to come off the bench and get the winner last week. Um, but I've not, I've not seen that that kind of potential as of yet. Um, and I, I might be speaking a bit earlier there because it's not like he's been given a handful of starts and, and not shown anything at all. I've only really seen him come off the bench in the main. Um, but the main one I would say is Quadro Bar, and I think it's just probably just a bit too early to to kind of say on on the others uh, that seems to be coming through. Um, not seeing enough of him. Um, hear good things about Dunn. Um, so it'll be interesting when you know he kind of, you know, gets gets introduced to the starting eleven, which I'm sure there will be plans for him to do so, and uh, to see kind of how, how he looks in there. Um, but but I would I would argue Bar, but he's completely different to what we've had in the past with the likes of Camps, Cannon, Allen, who've been kind of solid central midfield players. Um, and it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he can kind of maybe progress. Um, will it be someone who can kind of really uh, light light up the club and, and kind of sell on, or is it going to be someone who just kind of shows glimpses and and then kind of doesn't quite cut it consistently enough? And I think that's probably the battle for for BBM is probably to find consistency with him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the he's the main one I would say. Yeah, Ryan, I know you watch a lot of the, the EFL trophy games. Is there anyone who stands out for you as a potential star of the future? Um, I really like the look of the young lads, but I'll echo what Luke said in that it's, it's pretty early yet. But Briley looks really comfortable on the ball, as does Malkowski. Uh, I've always been impressed with Hopper, um, who seems to fall behind a bit um, in terms of seems to be behind... Briley in the pecking order, um, but I've always been impressed with him. He's got a bit of bite about him. So, yeah, he's one I always look forward to seeing in those games. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Bar's the most exciting one and the one that probably looks like the most the most likely that he'll be scouted, I think, from clubs higher above because of how exciting and, and sort of powerful he, he can be. Uh, this next one, I'll come to you with this one, Chaff. This one's from my dad um, on Facebook. Why do you think whenever we have transfer dealings, it is always undisclosed? So that's just modern football. There's very few transfer fees now that, that get fully disclosed. Um, it's not like they're, they're not common knowledge most of the time. Um, and if you really wanted the, the transfer fee, they'd be in the accounts uh, come the end of the season. Um, I've got used to it to be honest with you I, I don't see it as an issue and it's probably to it, we, we probably do it to to not sort of publicise how little we've got for the players that we sell um, because yeah I've had my heart broken many a time um, when the likes of Grant Alt have gone for the, like the value of a Twix and a Chomp just to sort of pay bills so yeah it's, it's, it's not surprising that we 
don't disclose transfer fees, and I reckon that's probably why. Um, just saves added pressure on the board, really, I reckon. And I suppose added pressure on the player as well sometimes. Um, if, if it is a higher fee, which it, it obviously it rarely is with us, but if it's a higher fee that we've signed someone for, if there's a little bit more pressure on, particularly as a club that don't often spend transfer fees. Uh, and I think with the Humphreys one in particular, um, I think that was was a South End um, a South End decision, given that some of their fans were expecting to get somewhere in the region of half a million for him. Obviously, we won't have paid anywhere near that. Uh, so I think for them, it would have been better to keep that undisclosed so that they didn't have supporters on the backs uh, a little bit, which I guess is the case with Dale, like like you said, just from, from the opposite from the opposite side, really. Um, the next one, I'll ask all three of you. Um, one from Lewis Wilde, which I think is a great question. If you could have one ex-Dale player in their prime back to play this season, who would you pick? Um, Luke, I'll start with you on that one. Grant Holt. Simple as that for me. Uh, he is my all-time Dale player. Um, I just he, he just... He's someone who I think of when I think back to when I first started going to away games. He kind of was when he burst onto the scene for us. And I just remember kind of just buzzing over over how we played because we were so bad as a team. We, we you know, they were they were bad you know, bad times and we used to play four five one away from home and he just used to bully defences on his own with not much quality behind him as well and um I just absolutely loved it really. I loved everything about him. He's kind of the way he did rough up um, defences. Um, but he was really clever as well in, in the manner in which he kind of went about his you know, his, his game. He got the goals as well. Um, he's just someone who I always just really look back you know, fondly um, during his time with us. And like Chaff said, the day that we sold him to Nottingham Forest, I remember going on Nottingham Forest website and seeing him there and he, he felt like I'd, you know, felt like someone had died in my family at that, when I, at that age. But um, you could get a bit carried away, can't you? But he, he for me, he, he's, he's the all-time. Um, and I think there's, there's a bit of sentimental value there of kind of um, linking it to, to times when I first started going away from home and following Dale. Um, but what what a player he was. Yeah, I think there is sentimental value there, but I think it's sentimental value that, that shared by Dale fans from every generation, to be honest, because he was he was a really much-loved figure at Dale and still is to this day. Um, Ryan, I'll come to you next. One ex-Dale player in the prime, back to play the season, who would you have? Uh, it Mendes for me. Um, I think he's the type of player we're missing now. Um, bit of pace and trickery down the wings and I think he'd create chances for the for the few the couple of strikers we brought in yeah it'd be nice to have the, the likes of Grant Holt and, and Chris O'Grady Chris Dagg all those types of players but they need someone to create stuff for him so I'd, I'd go with Mendes Chaff who are you going for? Holt would have been very high up on my list as well but because Luke said him I'm going to go with Paddy McCourt obviously didn't quite reach his prime when he was with us but the highlights of him at Celtic is just unbelievably exciting footballer. And yeah, I would never get bored of watching Paddy McCourt play. Genius. Yeah, I, I think you were expecting me to say Paddy McCourt as well. But actually, I think the player that we would we would benefit most from having uh, in our current squad will be Scott Hogan 
for me. I think he's a player that could have played in a few different positions. Obviously, he ended up playing as a central striker, but he had all the tools to play sort of anywhere, just off the striker as well. And I think a player like that um, in a squad like the one we have now would be a massive boost. Um, hopefully, Alex Newby can sort of step up and become that sort of player over the course of the season. But to, to have a player like Hogan, who, who sort of elevated us from being a very good team to a promotion-winning team in that in that 2013-14 season would be would be pretty incredible. Although all three of the players that you mentioned there uh, would also be pretty high priorities as well. Um, so one last sort of listener question. Um, I'll come to you again, Luke. Uh, what is stopping us from putting a consistent run of form together? Uh, you have to go back to pre-Christmas last year to when we last won three games on the bounce. And that's from Thomas Ashton uh, on Facebook. It's a good question, isn't it? I think it's... it's, it's quality i think it does come down to kind of you know where we're at as a team you know when we're in this league to for us to compete we've kind of got to be at our best uh you know if we're going to win a game we've got to be at our best and and, and dare i say it against some teams we're going to need to be at our best and need them to be at, you know having an off day as well um because i think the you know the difference in quality and levels are probably more apparent will be more apparent this season than what they've ever have been. So I think it does come down to that, really. Um, you know, to try and find consistency and, and hit those levels consistently is, you know, you don't you don't tend to see it um, in, in every level of sport, really. I'll put it down to that. Just, just a, you know, lack of quality and, and, and certain things do need to come off for us in order for us to kind of, you know, win games at this level. Um, I think that's just the reality, really. And, and, I don't want to come across and don't mean to come across as, as being negative in that response either because I actually kind of thrive on watching that and supporting that, um, you know, because it can be just as uplifting supporting uh, the team through that as what it is when we're winning games back in the league two days with, with Scott Hogan banging them in every week for us. But yeah, I think it's a big ass to kind of go on a run of games, of you know, to win games in a row. When every time we play against a team, you look at the opposition and you go, flipping neck, they're really strong. And then you look at the bench and go, three of those five will get in our first team easily, you know. Um, so I think it comes down to that. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that, to be honest. I think that's pretty much the same that I was thinking. I think sometimes we forget just how strong some of the teams in this league are um, and just how much of an unlevel playing field we're on financially as well. Um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we can sort of string a run of, of better results together at some point this season, and that'll that'll definitely make us a little bit more comfortable towards the end of the year, and and these podcasts a little bit more upbeat as well in the meantime. So we'll finish off with another one of our uh, squad games. It'll be the same as last week with with three of you playing. Um, so it'll be any player that made a, a league appearance for Rochdale in the two thousand and eight two thousand and nine season. So that's the season, um, the first black and blue kit, um, sponsored by MMC Estates, and the season we lost to Gillingham in the playoff semi-final. So I will start with you, Ryan, as you are top of my list, and I think, did you win as well last week? Did I? So there we go, so uh, we'll have Ryan, you start off for us, mate, any player to have made a league appearance for Dale in 2008-2009? This is the one I struggled with the other week. A couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, I think Flitcroft came on against Gillingham last game of the season. 
<laughs> he did. Um, you've gone right in at the deep end, and I love it. Well played, mate. Yeah, David Flinkoff is correct. Uh, Chaff, you next. Will Buckley. What an answer that is, Ryan. That's correct. Luke? Um, Joss Thompson. Correct. Ryan? Um, Lee Thorpe. Correct. Chaff? Uh, Chris Dagnall. Correct. Luke? Tom Kennedy. Yeah, hi, um, made the most appearances actually. Only missed one league game. Uh, Jonah? Yes. Chaff? Clark Kelty. It's correct as well. Luke? Um, Simon Ranston. That's correct. Turner. Correct. This is excellent. Scott Wiseman. Correct. Adam so, Rundle. Yeah, Adam Rundle, correct. Stanton. Correct. Uh, Callum McGinbottom. Correct. <laughs> Rory McArdle. Correct. <laughs> the quality <laughs> brilliant lads I'm struggling to remember who we've said I've got four more by the way oh wow that's, oh, a, confident, that's a confident proclamation there <laughs> Adam LaFondra correct Sam Russell correct um, Jesus have we said Ramsden Ramsden's yeah. been said yeah Gary Medine Correct. Oh, what a shout. <laughs> uh, Frank Fielding. Correct. I was just kidding, by the way. I just wanted to psych you both out <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> um, James Spencer. Incorrect. Unfortunately for you, Luke, he was in the squad but didn't make an appearance in any competition. Uh, that season, so we're down to down to Ryan and Chaff once again. Do you know how many we've got left? I can count quickly if you want. I don't mind that much. Is it a lot? And there's like there's at least oh Lee McEverly. Correct. Oh, there's at least five or six left yet. Chaff is currently caught between um, wanting to win the game, but also wanting to go for his team. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you tag, tag me back in if you want, Chaff. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, oh, now. Callum Warburton. Callum Warburton is incorrect. Ah. I'm afraid, Chaff. So once again, Ryan takes the point. <laughs> and celebrations, absolute scenes on the Zoom chat here. I'll just run through uh, the squad once again for anyone who's playing along at home. Can I try and get the last couple? Yeah, can I have one? Can I have another go? <laughs> go on then, let's see who, who else did you have. Perkins. Incorrect. Oh, I give up. Was Dennis Sheriff one? No, Dennis Sheriff yeah. was incorrect as well. So you've tried to be cocky and get an extra couple <laughs> of asses and a pair of you messed up there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in squad number order, uh, we've got Sam Russell, Simon Ramsden, Tom Kennedy, Nathan Stanton. Clark Kelsey, Kieran Toner, Lee McEverly, Gary Jones, Chris Dagnall, Adam LaFondra, Adam Rundle, Scott Wiseman, Joe Thompson, Nicky Adams, who I don't think anyone said, uh, Jordan Rhodes, John Shaw, Callum Higginbottom, Lee Thorpe, 
David Flitcroft, Rory McArdle, Gary Medine, Kyle Lambert made one appearance, Mark Jones, Tom Newey, Will Buckley, Marcus Holness, and Frank Fielding. So well done, lads. Well, good effort, that, to be fair. Very good effort. Well, I well, tried to erase John Shaw from the memory, to be honest with you. So, uh, another episode boxed off there. Hopefully, next time we'll have a victory to talk about. But all that's left for me to say is thanks for joining me, Chaff. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Dean. Get your centre hours ready for Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Luke. (laughs) Cheers, lads. See you next time. Up the Dale. Just a little uh, note from me after the podcast here. Uh, we are currently looking for a sponsor for the RochdaleFC.com podcast. Uh, we're really enjoying producing these and chatting about Dale, but at the moment we are running at a slight loss. So we were wondering if there was any Dale fans out there that would be interested in sponsoring the podcast. Of course, we'll do a few adverts for whatever your firm or brand may be. Uh, if you could help us out and make sure that you could cover those uh, those those minimal losses that we're currently uh, operating out and doing these podcasts so if you if you are interested just drop me a dm on the forum at the peak or you can email me at deanandrewsmith92 at gmail.com